watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop has it with the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Ruby run. 15-10. Hit, 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 hit it in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, you the Heard on 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app. Seen, heard, and everything in between, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages at the wonderful, magical Family fun for all, QSportsTalk.com. Sometimes that's not just for the family, though. Sometimes that PG rating gets bumped up to R. If you know what I'm saying, it's the Internet. Things get, they get a little saucy sometimes on QSportsTalk.com. But, hey, listen, anything can happen. That's the beauty of it. You get this show as it happens. But what you also get at QSportsTalk.com is a live chat, Open discussion throughout the show. You don't even have to talk about what I'm talking about. And quite often, the chat takes on a life of its own. So you got that going on. You've got the show within the show, meaning that when the radio audience goes to commercial break, our friends at QSportsTalk.com do not. They stay with us. We keep the mic on. We keep the camera on. We just keep yapping at you because we just can't stop. We just can't quit you. You got that going for you. You can see the show, a radio show with a visual experience, absolutely free, just for you. So uh, whatever your heart's content, whatever's cooking there at QSportsTalk.com, that sounds appealing to you. Maybe it was one, maybe it was the other, maybe it was all. It's all happening there. Uh, So however you're taking in the show today, listening on the radio, watching on QSportsTalk.com, listening on the app, uh, it is all appreciated for sure. Thanks for being here, and thanks for being a part of it. If you'd like to have your voice heard, 437-7644 437-7644 is the phone number. Hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, or as mentioned, a great option there is the live chat that's flowing at QSportsTalk.com throughout the show. We have two guests for you today. Uh, the first right here in this hour, presented by our friends at RomanoCars.com, is uh, Syracuse basketball guard Joe Girard. We got Joe on the program today. Now you're saying, now Brent, wasn't Joe on Thursdays? Yeah, we had to move Joe to Thursdays for a couple of weeks because there's some games and some scheduling things. But uh, typically, when you will hear Joe is Tuesdays, right here at 425. So we're going to get back on that schedule uh, unless a couple other conflicts come up. Uh, So we will get back to having Joe today. And it's good to have Joe after that game. Obviously, another tough loss, which we'll get into 
Joe did struggle in that game. You'll hear why. In his view, he struggled, how he'll snap out of it. Uh, just all things happening with that game, with that team, uh, looking ahead, the situation uh, that they find themselves in here, uh, You know what you do on a day off to kind of get your mind right and then go into the rest of the week of practice. What was it like for Joe Girard, the Dallas Cowboys fan, to look over last night and see Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles? We'll do it all with Joe coming up here. We'll uh, hear that conversation at 425. At 520, our weekly conversation with Syracuse women's basketball head coach, Felicia Leggett-Jack, and that is presented by Wegmans and Bill Rapp Superstore. And boy, did Felicia, who has played the game for a long time, coached the game for a long time, been involved in the game for a long time. But I don't think she's really seen anything like she did on Sunday. Boy, was there an injury bug going around that basketball team on Sunday. Wow. So we will uh, certainly discuss that. The Louisville game, their upcoming trip to Blacksburg later this week, and uh, things just always get kicked up a notch when Coach Jack comes by the show. So we're looking forward to that later on in the program. Hot takes, blindside, all the usual hijinks and tomfoolery you would expect as we go through the afternoon, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. We start with uh, Syracuse basketball, of course, and we kind of have a two-parted monologue. Let's address what happened in the game, what it means for the team, and then let's talk about how Jim Beheim handled the Benny Williams situation last night. Let's start with the game. What does Uncle Brent tell you all the time? And this has become something that has taken on a life of its own. I have random people that tag me on social media pretty much every day, games that have nothing to do with Syracuse. Right, I'm not the one who started this. I'm just kind of the one who, I don't know, made it famous, if you will. And it's just, it's going to be on my tombstone. And that is hashtag free throws matter, right? The respect that one needs to give free throws and what they mean. And, you know, people have a lot of fun with that. But last night was the prime example of a game where free throws really mattered. You have a situation where, look, there is so much about Judah Mintz's game that I like that we have discussed, but when you have somebody who gets to the free throw line as often as he does, he's got to be better than 73%, four of seven from the free throw line. He's working on that. I think he will get better at that, but he's in a situation now where, you know, last night was one of those games where Judah is in the role where he has to really make a decision based on the flow of the game. Sometimes the answer to this question, by the way, is both. But when you're an offensive-minded point guard, you either are the offense or you run the offense. There are certain games that the answer to that is both. But there are certain games where you kind of have to pick one or the other. And last night, he was the offense. And it was the right decision. He didn't force a lot of shots. He challenged Virginia. He had that one drive that made the score 64-60 where he Drives into the paint. I called it a uh, strong, stretchy drive. Strong enough to get in there, but he kind of had to stretch around the defense, kiss it off the glass. I mean, he has that skill set, and he's really good at it. He's not afraid to get in there. And now what's happening is he's getting to the free throw line because he's in the paint a lot, and he's challenging people to the point where he's drawing fouls. It's almost a strategy at some points. Now, Judah showed off. His mid-range jumper last night, he had a beautiful baseline jumper last night. All fantastic. 
but he's got to be better at the free throw line in games like this. You take what you get with Jesse Edwards. He goes four of six. It's it's interesting. Only four guys made it to the free throw line last night of the, you know, really seven that played a lot. And it did cost this team. Like, you can directly do the math, look at the free throw situation, and say, if you make your free throws, I'll give you a couple misses. Nobody's perfect at the free throw line. But you make those free throws, you're going to win. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of opportunities. We got to the foul line. It's not that easy to do against Virginia. We were in the bonus pretty early. Um, they don't foul a lot. I think we got to 17 free throws in the second half, something like that. But we missed seven of them. That's really, that's pretty much the game right there. You can't. Playing a really good team. I still think they're a tremendous team. I think they're seventh in the country. You can't miss seven free throws. End of the story. You can't miss seven free throws against the seventh team in the country, the 70th team in the country, or the 700th team in the country. In a game you're in, it's another close game against a great team, a quad one game. You need it to keep that prayer alive that you're going to enter February seriously in the NCAA tournament conversation, which let's just say is no longer the case. This is not a team that can play its way into the NCAA tournament short of winning the ACC tournament. That conversation has changed. They're not even a shoe-in for the NIT field at this point. That's not just my opinion. They don't have the wins. That's math. That's, That's a combination of fact and opinion. They don't have the wins to be in certainly the NCAA tournament conversation, and I don't think the NIT is a shoe in at this point. So what Syracuse plays for once this calendar flips to February and how the conversations are going to go are going to be very interesting to me. So they are not playing for the NCAA tournament in traditional means. They have to hit you know, the parachute option, break glass, in case of emergency, win the tournament. That's their only way in. Flat out period. There's just not enough wins on the resume. There's not enough opportunities left. You're 0-5 against quad one teams. You're just not in the conversation, right? I wanted to wait until that really felt official to make it official, and I think I can have that opinion now. There's a month of basketball to go, so there's a few rubber stamps I'm just kind of keeping over here and leaving the ink wet, but... There's, there's one I know, and that is that. Okay, that's the game. Virginia's a great team. You knew they were going to be in this thing. I loved how Syracuse played hard. Virginia had the lead for 17 minutes of that game, but didn't it feel like Syracuse was in control of that game? But they came up short again, and whether that's because of experience, and I think Mike Waters did a terrific job kind of laying out, so these good teams that they've lost to, they're all experienced teams. But see, you're not losing by 20. You're in these games, which kind of makes the salt in the wound hurt a little bit more. Now, the big storyline last night, let's go to part two of the monologue here. So we find out just before the game that Benny Williams is not in the building. A reason for Benny's absence was not given before the game. As it turns out, Benny was given a personal day. He will be back at practice, according to Jim Beheim, tomorrow. 
Now, I want to lay out something. Of course, we were all wondering before the game what was going on with Benny Williams. The official explanation that the media was given was that Jim Beheim would address it after the game. Okay, hindsight being 2020 now, and knowing that it was a personal day, which, by the way, can we just stop right there? If that's the case, then, look, you got to take a personal day. you got to take a personal day. I'm not going to get into the why. I'm not interested in the why, okay? If Benny's got to take a personal day, that's his business. But what we all can agree on here is that is an odd circumstance. Players miss games due to illness. Benny missed the first Virginia game due to illness. Players miss games due to academic reasons. Players miss games due to injury. But just taking a day, that's a new one. Haven't heard that one. Why could you not tell the media that before the game? That's a press release. That's a two-sentence press release. Benny Williams will not be in the lineup tonight due to a personal nature, personal reasons, however you want to word it. Jim Beheim will address it after the game. So at the very least, we have something. So remember, what we are told is Jim will address it after the game. Jim comes to the post-game press conference after the game. Jim does his opening monologue. He does not address it. So the question was asked. Now, what I'm about to play here is courtesy of Sam Corcoran. He is a reporter for Citrus TV. He asked the first question. And the following exchange happened. What you're going to hear after that is what was said on SportsCenter. This clip running on SportsCenter, the Scott Van Pelt SportsCenter, ESPN's highly rated Scott Van Pelt SportsCenter. Let's listen. Is that your question? That's the most important question you have? He was not on the court today. Is that your most important question here? I'm just curious. He wasn't on the court. I will answer it. All right. Your attitude isn't really good either. <laughs> Benny took a personal day. He will be back at practice on Wednesday. That's it? Do we have that question? That's all we have? That's typical in Syracuse. It is. It is. Things aren't going real well there between the, the, the Q&A and Coach Behind at the moment. See how things go there. All right. Back. That is how your head basketball coach represented your program, your university, and everything you can put under that umbrella last night. Now, last week you'll recall that another student reporter asked Jim a question about why this team couldn't close games. Jim, being the competitor and the confrontationalist that he is, is going to challenge that and defend his team, which he has every right to do. I mean, it's his show. He can talk about what he wants at that press conference. And how many times have I said, watch the press conference, watch the whole thing, learn, listen to what he's saying. If you really listen to these things beyond the snark, which we got there, you'll learn something about this team and learn how to frame questions and learn what's going on with the team. I appreciate Jim's candor in these press conferences, and I will continue to praise Jim that he has an open locker room because that is a rare thing in college sports today. But that, I mean, excuse me, who's got the bad attitude here? You have a player who did not show up. We were told 
you would address it. You did not. We asked the question, who cares what order it's in? And there is absolutely no reason for the snark. There's no reason to challenge the reporter's attitude. I mean, you got a grown-ass man up there at that podium given a college student asking a professional, reasonable question, the attitude. That's your first question. That situation, in no way, shape, or form, called for confrontation. Challenging your team and saying, why can't you close games? There's a little opinion in there. I understand that, and I thought that was a fair question to ask, too, because this team cannot close games. They couldn't do it again last night. It was the subject of my column today because there's a pattern there. They can't do it for whatever reasons they are, though I think there's some good explanations to that. But those reasons are there. What was that and why? You had to know that was coming, and you could have avoided it twice. First, by putting out some kind of release before the game. Everybody knows he's not there. Everybody knows he's gone. This is not a trade secret. You're not keeping anything from Virginia. They know he's not there. And you didn't address it. Who cares what order the question's in? And by the way, yes, Jim, that is the most important question. You had a player that just wasn't there, that had a personal day, as we found out. That's odd. Now, Benny had missed some time this year. There were questions here. Is he sick again? Like, this is why we ask you these things. And he did answer the question. And Jim does eventually answer the questions. But why we have to have this, again, who had the bad attitude here? And you're like, oh, who cares? It's just Jim. It's just, that's your head coach once again representing your program, your university, your fan base, your alums, and anybody else you want to put under that umbrella that way. And I got to tell you, okay, that is such a tired act. I'm used to it. We're all used to it. But you see other people Social media can be the worst thing in the world, but it can also kind of give you a view into other parts of the country, other parts of the media landscape. And I can't even begin to tell you who I have heard from today. Look, Twitter's one thing. People have gone out of their way to reach out, and this is just me because this is my show. I'm sure other people are getting the same thing. Either via social media or elsewhere and otherwise. To reach out, to basically say in some form, what was that? Even some of the most staunch Bayheim defenders have gone out of their way to express, not just to me, but to express today, like, why? What's the reasoning for that? There's no purpose for that other than to just be a jerk. I'm sorry, there's no other way to put that. Listen to the question again. It's the thing everybody wants to know. You could have come out and avoided that whole situation. Why be confrontational? And again, you want to talk about bad attitude? You want to lecture a college kid about attitude? I'll tell you, Sam Corker happens to be the name of the reporter. He's going to learn a lot about that exchange, and it's not in the way Jim probably thinks he's going to. See, I hesitate to talk about these things sometimes. It's like, oh, the media and Jim and press conferences. And, you know, I'm not in any way saying we have a tough or anything. But 
it's amazing to me how Jim still doesn't get it sometimes. You're not just in a room with people that have microphones and cameras and notepads. You are talking to everybody. That little red light sends a signal out to the world. You are, you lost a game. You're probably upset about that. You've lost a lot of games. How about you deal with it? How many times have you done that? And if you get a question that questions how you coach, the reporter's wrong, they have their information wrong, then you have every right to question that to fight back. That question, that situation, there's no defense for that. I mean, worse things have happened at press conferences, as we have covered many, many times. But that was my response. And the, the feedback I'm getting from people today is just, just why? I guess it's tolerated better when your team's better, but it see, what happens is when you have a team that's struggling, and as I said, I mean, this team is not playing for the NCAA tournament over the next month, short of going to the ACC tournament. People's tempers are a little shorter, right? So it's, I think a lot of other frustrations spill into that, so it's a combination of things. So you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, there's a lot of people that are just going to complain about whatever Beheim says. This just gives them more fuel. But what has struck to me today is not those people. It's the people I hear from normally that will defend Syracuse, Beheim, the homers of the homers that are saying, not only is that unnecessary, Okay, but that's that's got to stop. I don't know what happens internally in these things, and I'm not, you know, everybody, oh, cancel culture and this. I'm not even saying anything's got to happen here. But what I am going to say is if I'm Kent Severud, if I'm John Wildhack, if I'm put any name on that list you want to, right, that's how your head coach represented you. Not only locally, but nationally last night. To which, again, I asked the question, who had the bad attitude here for what could have been a simple information exchange? Before I talk about the game tonight, Benny Williams took a personal day. He'll be back at practice Wednesday. That's all you had to do. I mean, hey, gave us a lot to talk about and write about and reactionary, and maybe that was Jim's intent, take everybody's mind off the game they just lost. And if so, hey, good for you. It happened. But there was just no reason for that whatsoever. And it's not just me saying that. It's not just media people saying that. It's, let's just say, a lot of people saying that. To which, again, something like, <laughs> yes, that's the first question. You had a player show up, and we were not given a reason why. So, yeah, people are probably going to want to know about that. That's kind of a big deal. It was a player, by the way, who up until Saturday was a starter of yours. So this personal day they took, I don't want to speculate, but it happens to time out with this player playing his first game since being taken out of the starting lineup. He didn't start Saturday, but first home game. First time back here, first time where a lot of people would look and say, where's Benny? Benny's been missing from the lineup in a figurative sense a lot this year because he just hasn't played consistently, which led to him being benched. He literally wasn't there last night. 
And why Jim doesn't comprehend, or at least does comprehend and chooses to process it this way, that that's something we're going to ask about. And he answered the question, okay? It's not like he dodged it or anything, but there was just no reason for that. And it just kind of adds to an already frustrating situation for the team, for the fans, for the alums, and it's just ridiculous. And it's tired. It's just tired. It's just why? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Somebody questions your strategy, your coaching, something that lends itself to some kind of subjective back and forth. That is completely different. Not in this case. Not in this case at all. Let us break on that, though. We'll certainly talk more about this game, what it means going forward, and uh, how the conversations are going to be a lot different in February than they were in January on a lot of fronts. Still some potential big wins on the board. There's just not enough. It had to start with Virginia. They essentially had to really start a run last night, which was already a paper-thin margin. Now I think the conversation's changing here. Nobody's packing it in and saying, let's just not even play the last month of the season. But just look at the numbers. Look at the wins, lack thereof, the situation they're in, and it all adds up to a different conversation in the next month. I'd love for them to prove me wrong, by the way. I'd love for Jim Beheim a month from now to tell me and everybody else saying this how wrong we were because it's certainly more interesting and it's better for everybody that they are a tournament team. But I think reality is starting to really kick in here. So we will discuss all of that. We'll hear from Joe Girard next. His view of last night, this team, and what to do about a couple of games where he's really struggled and how he plans to get out of that. Around the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. If you've been hurt in a car, we hope not, but if you have, make sure you give our friends at William Matar a call at 444-4444. So we certainly had a lot of uh, thoughts on the loss to Virginia, what it means for the basketball team, and uh, Jim Beheim's uh, just, just, just no other way to put it, ridiculous response to that question last night about Benny Williams. Yeah, Jim, a guy who hadn't started, or who had, pardon me, had started 20 games and it's kind of a big deal, wasn't in the building last night and we weren't told anything until you came to the podium. You're going to get asked about it. Yep, it's going to be the first question. And why the snark? Why just the complete brush off of something that everybody wanted to know, A, and B, we didn't hear anything about till you came to the podium. You're the coach. You're the one who knows. And the whole thing got replayed on Sports Center. Thumbs up. Way to represent Syracuse. I mean, it's bad enough that they lost. That's sports, though. You win some, you lose some, as the expression goes. So, any more lingering thoughts on that? You guys are free to jump in on the game as well at four three seven seventy six forty four. A couple other things though before we talk to Coach Jack coming up. We'll go on the blind side and the usual hijinks and tomfoolery. You would expect from this show. The Syracuse football schedule is out for 2023. Now, yesterday, we didn't know the exact order of things. We just kind of knew some of the non-conference games. We knew who Syracuse was playing at home in the ACC, who they were playing on the road in the ACC, and now we know who they're playing on a neutral site. So let me give you a few thoughts on the Syracuse football schedule. Just to reiterate, if you didn't hear yesterday's show, Why are you moving that game to Yankee Stadium? If you have seven home games, that is a tactical advantage 
that you need to keep in your back pocket. I think it's great that Syracuse and Pittsburgh played the first college football game at the old Yankee Stadium 100 years ago. I just question why we have to play a football game to commemorate that. You just played there in the pinstripe bowl. I get that there's a fan base there. I get the whole marketing aspect of it. Let me tell you something I don't agree with. It's great for recruiting. Please explain why. You already recruit New York. All the recruits there know who you are, who the coaches are. you got a signing day tomorrow where it's looking like, is Syracuse even going to sign anybody? This is the least buzzy signing day I can remember. Remember, it's signing day 2.0 now. The real signing day is in December now. But recruiting, you know what helps you recruit? How about win eight, nine games? Go to bowl games. Get some consistency. All the things that will help you attract recruits, like to their credit, you're going to have the most players drafted in the NFL draft in over a decade we seem to be on the path for. That helps recruiting. Playing at Yankee Stadium when you should be playing at home, just on the surface, that doesn't help recruiting. That's just something that you say. If you're getting a nice payday out of it, okay, great, but is it worth sacrificing a home game against a team that has owned you in recent years? I feel even strongly about this. Now seeing how the schedule has been laid out here and why you would, it's one thing that the league hands you this schedule. You just have to deal with it. Why you would purposely take a home game away, not only from a strategic standpoint, but from your season ticket holders, and what is, I'll say, a home slate that leaves a lot to be desired. Okay, and you're taking Pitt away from it. You have Clemson, so you got that going for you, which is nice. But let's go through it here because now we know the order of things. You open with Colgate at home. I've always said if you're going to play an FBS, an FCS team, pardon me, play Colgate. So I'm glad they're playing Colgate. You got to watch out for those three-point shooters. Sorry, I had to get that joke in. Western Michigan, okay? I'm a little bummed Tim Lester won't be coming back. They're starting over, new coach, the whole deal. You go to Purdue on the 16th, and that was as wild and crazy a game as we have ever seen in the Dome. We'll see what the return trip is there. Aiden O'Connell no longer the quarterback. I would put that in the winnable category along with Army. That's at home. So what you have here in 2023 is the same situation you had in 2022. Stack wins. Stockpile wins. The goal is six wins. Get back to a bowl game. Remember what John Wildhack told me about Dino Baber's contract extension and just remaining the head coach here. If they keep improving, he'll be the coach here. So what he defines as improvement is open to interpretation. I define it as eight wins because you won seven last year. It's kind of hard to improve when you win the same amount of games that you did a year ago. Okay. Clemson, Saturday, September 30th, game five. I like that Clemson is early. In the schedule. I like that Clemson is at home on the schedule. I like that perhaps we'll have some officials that won't call a ridiculous, as we now know, play on the quarterback on the sideline in this game. Syracuse has shown that they can compete with Clemson. 
they can hang with Clemson and that they can beat with Clemson. Now, the only time they beat them was in 2017. But the way that they've hung in there this year included, I mean, they had that game. And think about what that would have meant for the program. 7-0, and win over Clemson, statement win. I think that would have sent you. I mean, we'll see if the injuries would have piled up in the same way. But, man, the trajectory of that season could have taken on such a different tone had they beaten Clemson. But we all know now that, you know, officials helped decide that game. With not only the ridiculous call on Kate Klubnik, considering Elijah Fuentes Contef was pushed into him, but what they didn't call on Garrett Schrader. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little bitter about that because I hate when officials decide games like that. But let's get them early. I think that's good. Okay. Here's the bad news. Listen to this stretch. Clemson, that's at home, at North Carolina. May I remind you, Drake May is back at quarterback and will be a very high-on-the-list Heisman candidate for the upcoming season. At Florida State, with Jordan Travis, also will be very high on the list for the Heisman. Little bit of a gap. Then Thursday, October 26th, at Virginia Tech. Blacksburg, Lane Stadium, at night. That is awesome. It's not easy, though, but that is awesome. There, Folks, I can't encourage you enough. If you have never been on that road trip, that should be at the top of your list. That is one of the great college football environments. Knowing it will be a night game because it's a Thursday, do it. Do it. Don't think about it. Around the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. You've been hurt in a car. We hope not, but if you have, make sure you give our friends at William Matar a call at 444-4444. So we certainly had a lot of uh, thoughts on the loss to Virginia, what it means for the basketball team, and uh, Jim Beheim's uh, there's just no other way to put it, ridiculous response to that question last night about Benny Williams. Yeah, Jim, a guy who hadn't started, or who had, pardon me, had started 20 games, and it's kind of a big deal, wasn't in the building last night, and we weren't told anything until you came to the podium. You're going to get asked about it. Yep, it's going to be the first question. And why the snark? Why just the complete brush off of something that everybody wanted to know, A, and B, like we didn't hear anything about till you came to the podium. You're the coach. You're the one who knows. And the whole thing got replayed on Sports Center. Thumbs up. Way to represent Syracuse. I mean, it's bad enough that they lost. That's sports, though. You win some, you lose some, as the expression goes. So, any more lingering thoughts on that? You guys are free to jump in on the game as well at 437-7644. A couple other things, though, before we talk to Coach Jack coming up, we'll go on the blind side and the usual hijinks and tomfoolery you would expect from this show. The Syracuse football schedule is out for 2023. Now, yesterday... We didn't know the exact order of things. We just kind of knew some of the non-conference games. We knew who Syracuse was playing at home in the ACC, who they were playing on the road in the ACC, and now we know who they're playing on a neutral site. So let me give you a few thoughts on the Syracuse football schedule. Just to reiterate, if you didn't hear yesterday's show, why are you moving that game to Yankee Stadium? If you have seven home games, 
That is a tactical advantage that you need to keep in your back pocket. I think it's great that Syracuse and Pittsburgh played the first college football game at the old Yankee Stadium 100 years ago. I just question why we have to play a football game to commemorate that. You just played there in the pinstripe bowl. I get that there's a fan base there. I get the whole marketing aspect of it. Let me tell you something I don't agree with. It's great for recruiting. Please explain why. You already recruit New York. All the recruits there know who you are, who the coaches are. you got a signing day tomorrow where it's looking like, is Syracuse even going to sign anybody? This is the least buzzy signing day I can remember. Remember, it's signing day 2.0 now. The real signing day is in December now. But recruiting, you know what helps you recruit? How about win eight, nine games? Go to bowl games. Get some consistency. All the things that will help you attract recruits, like to their credit, you're going to have the most players drafted in the NFL draft in over a decade we seem to be on the path for. That helps recruiting. Playing at Yankee Stadium when you should be playing at home, just on the surface, that doesn't help recruiting. That's just something that you say. If you're getting a nice payday out of it, okay, great, but is it worth sacrificing a home game against a team that has owned you in recent years? I feel even strongly about this. Now seeing how the schedule has been laid out here and why you would, it's one thing that the league hands you this schedule and just have to deal with it, why you would purposely take a home game away, not only from a strategic standpoint, but from your season ticket holders, and what is, I'll say, a home slate that leaves a lot to be desired. Okay, and you're taking Pitt away from it. You have Clemson, so you got that going for you, which is nice. But let's go through it here because now we know the order of things. You open with Colgate at home. I've always said if you're going to play an FBS, an FCS team, pardon me, play Colgate. So I'm glad they're playing Colgate. You got to watch out for those three-point shooters. So, sorry, I had to get that joke in. Western Michigan, okay? I'm a little bummed Tim Lester won't be coming back. They're starting over, new coach, the whole deal. You go to Purdue on the 16th, and that was as wild and crazy a game as we have ever seen in the Dome. We'll see what the return trip is there. Aiden O'Connell no longer the quarterback. I would put that in the winnable category along with Army. That's at home. So what you have here in 2023 is the same situation you had in 2022. Stack wins. Stockpile wins. The goal is six wins. Get back to a bowl game. Remember what John Wildhack told me about Dino Baber's contract extension and just remaining the head coach here. If they keep improving, he'll be the coach here. So what he defines as improvement is open to interpretation. I define it as eight wins because you won seven last year. It's kind of hard to improve when you win the same amount of games that you did a year ago. Okay. Clemson, Saturday, September 30th, game five. I like that Clemson is early. In the schedule. I like that Clemson is at home on the schedule. I like that perhaps we'll have some officials that won't call a ridiculous, as we now know, play on the quarterback on the sideline in this game. Syracuse has shown that they can compete with Clemson 
they can hang with Clemson and that they can beat with Clemson. Now, the only time they beat them was in 2017. But the way that they've hung in there this year included, I mean, they had that game. And think about what that would have meant for the program. 7-0, and win over Clemson, statement win. I think that would have sent you. I mean, we'll see if the injuries would have piled up in the same way. But, man, the trajectory of that season could have taken on such a different tone had they beaten Clemson. But we all know now that, you know, officials helped decide that game. With not only the ridiculous call on Kate Klubnik, considering Elijah Fuentes' contest was pushed into him, but what they didn't call on Garrett Schrader. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little bitter about that because I hate when officials decide games like that. But let's get them early. I think that's good. Okay. Here's the bad news. Listen to this stretch. Clemson, that's at home, at North Carolina. May I remind you, Drake May is back at quarterback and will be a very high on the list Heisman candidate for the upcoming season. At Florida State with Jordan Travis also will be very high on the list for the Heisman. Little bit of a gap. Then Thursday, October 26th at Virginia Tech. Blacksburg, Lane Stadium, at night. That is awesome. It's not easy, though, but that is awesome. There, Folks, I can't encourage you enough. If you have never been on that road trip, that should be at the top of your list. That is one of the great college football environments. Knowing it will be a night game because it's a Thursday, do it. Do it. Don't think about it. Do it. I'm going to be there this year. Okay, I don't go on a lot of road trips. I'm going on that road trip because that is a special, special environment. Not easy, though, right? So that four-game stretch, oh, mama. You see why it's important to stockpile some wins? Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Virginia Tech, then you uh, go on this stretch. A Friday night game after a Thursday night game. Friday, November 3rd, home against Boston College. The Pittsburgh game moved to Yankee Stadium at Georgia Tech, home to Wake Forest. If you kept that a home game, three of your last four are at home. Why you moved that to Yankee Stadium, I, I'm sorry, you can't talk me into that. You got a coach who needs to improve. You got a team that owns you, so you need every strategic advantage you can have, and playing at Yankee Stadium ain't one of them. Not to mention season ticket holders, and I just don't think it's worth the sacrifice because it's the 100th anniversary of the first game played at Yankee Stadium. Great. Wear a patch. Right? Tell the story. Do interviews. Like, you can do a whole thing around it, but why play the game there? The answer to all your questions is money. I get that, but I don't think it's worth it in this sense. You're a big boy, Power 5 ACC member. You don't have to do these things like you had to before he got into the ACC. Now, playing Tennessee in Atlanta in 2025 to open the season, I get that. Playing in Yankee Stadium again to commemorate an anniversary? No. You don't move an important game, which takes you from seven to six home games in that case. That's just me. That's just me. We'll break. We'll come back. We will change the conversation because we've got some hoops to talk about with Felicia. Look at Jack. Stay right there. 